Well, let's move right to the message here. We've been looking at the culture code, and we're actually getting through it now. We're at number eight. And that culture code, number eight, is that we take risks to reach people. So today we're going to look at what the scriptures have to say about taking risks. And they, of course, have a lot to say. So our tagline on that was we lead forward with innovation and calculated risk in order to reach people for Christ. Remember, the mission here at our church is that we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And to do that, you will have to take risks. But let's look what God's Word says, and it's going to be good. You see, according to Scripture, you must be willing to risk losing everything to follow Christ. Let's go right to it, and then we'll explain. Matthew 10, 37 to 39. Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says this, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In other words, Jesus was telling his followers, are you willing to risk it all to follow me? John 12, 24 to 25, Jesus again talking to his followers, and he is kind of talking about himself, the sacrifice he's about to make, but he also lays out a principle of following him and being willing to risk everything. 24 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for this, their life in this world will keep it for eternity. So just like the seed planted in the ground dies, grows a plant, and many seeds come from it, he's giving them a picture of, hey, I need you to be willing to lose everything, to risk everything, but know this, there will be great reward from it, great harvest from it. You see, because if you are willing to risk everything for Christ, he promises a huge reward. In Mark 10 and verse 28 to 30, we read this. It says, then Peter began to speak up and he said, we've given up everything to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or property, for my sake and the good news, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So you see, the reward of the risk you take to follow him is amazing. And the cool thing is he doesn't say he's only going to reward you after you die and go to heaven. He says he will reward you here in this life. And he says the reward will be great. A hundred times he 
uses in this portion. The reward is well worth the risk. You see, when we choose to follow Christ, we have to decide what is most important. And we have to be willing to step out of where we are comfortable. Risk is never easy, but it's important. And I read an article this week, and I've taken some quotes from the article, and we'll put them on the screen. And it gives you a little bit of an idea of even in the area of business, the area of being successful, they know that risk is important. And the article was titled, Five Reasons Risk Takers Are More Likely to Be Successful. And you can put that in Google and you'll find the article if you want, because I'm actually not going to give you the five reasons. But I am going to give you some quotes from the article. It says, security is mostly a superstition. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. That was a quote by Helen Keller. She was the young girl who was blind, deaf, and mute and ended up doing amazing things. In the article, they said, actually, the entrepreneurs behind some of the world's most successful corporations have one thing in common. They've all embraced the positive potential of risk-taking. As an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to be brave, jump in, and take risks. Without risk, there is no reward. It's that simple. Most business owners must learn how to take calculated risks. It may not come naturally, but just like everything else, if you want to succeed, you will learn the trait. No risk, no reward. Here's another quote. Life is inherently risky. There's only one big risk you should avoid at all cost, and that is the risk of doing nothing. Wow. Doing nothing is a choice, and it's a bad choice. You see, doing nothing might be easier, but doing nothing leads to a life that's unfulfilled. If you want to do great things, in your life for the Lord, if you want to do great things, you must be willing to take risk. And you will have to do something. Here's another quote from the same article. It said, One does not discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore for a very long time. Now I realize there's some of you here, you took great risk, you moved from your home country to Slave Lake, Alberta. And I often wonder if when you're filling the forms and you saw Slave Lake, that must have been a scary risk. (laughs) We're going to leave our home for what? (laughs) I just want to say thank you for doing it. We love you guys. But you understand risk. And you took it. Doesn't mean it's always easy, does it? But God says when you're willing to take risk, when you're willing to step out, there's great reward. Just like when they went looking for new lands and they sailed their ships from Europe. They headed off into ocean. Suddenly at some point the shore disappears and you're on your way. Are you willing to take that kind of risk? Here's a great quote from Wayne Gretzky. And he said, you will always miss 100% of the shots you do not take. 
He still holds many of the records for most goals and things like that. And this was his thing. You've got to take shots. If you're worried about, oh, I might miss and you don't take a shot, you'll never make goals. We had a young man at the early service who was part of hockey, and I asked the question, I'll ask it again. Some of you have maybe been in hockey. And I said, so going into hockey, do you ever have to take risks? Do you ever have to work hard? Yeah. And I asked this question. I said, if you're lazy, how far up would you go in hockey? Like what level? I asked, would you get past peewees? He said, no. You see, taking risk will require something of you. Being lazy and doing nothing is a bad decision. Are you willing to try? Are you willing to miss some shots because you tried? Or do you want to just sit in the stands forever and cheer other people on? It's a thought. Okay, final quote. From the article, I'm going to read this to you. Jeff Bezos didn't have to take a risk. The Princeton University graduate had secured a high-paying job on Wall Street. However, Jeff Bezos felt called to entrepreneurship. And in 1994, he risked it all by sacrificing his job in finance to found Amazon, which began as an online bookstore run out of his garage. Jeff Bezos' extraordinary story demonstrates how taking a leap of faith can lead to staggering success. I checked online. As of April 2021, he was worth $197 billion, making him the richest person in the world. And by the way, I checked last year where he was at, and his wealth increased greatly in one year's time. Thanks to everybody having to go online and use Amazon, I guess. But here's the thing, he took a sacrifice, he took a risk. He left a good paying job to start something in his garage. You don't know what things God might have in store for you. And unfortunately, you will never know if you're afraid to take risk. We say calculate a risk because you should allow God to direct you. You should use wisdom in the brain he gave you. You should research and check out how things work. But at some point, then you have to take that risk. What is your passion? What is your gift that he's given you? Because he's got something great if you'll step in. You see, faithful servants of God take risks to increase what he has given them and fulfill his kingdom purposes. Listen to some more scripture about God's people knowing how to take risk. 1 Corinthians 15, 28 to 32. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and I want you to kind of catch the middle of this, but I'm going to give you the context. If there is no resurrection, what do these people think they're doing when they're baptized for the dead? If the dead aren't raised, why be baptized for them? And why would we be risking our lives every day? My brothers and sisters, I continually face death. This is as sure as my boasting of you and our co-union together in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives me confidence to share my experiences with you. 
Tell me, why did I fight wild beasts in Ephesus if my hope is in this life only? What was the point of that? If the dead do not rise, then let's party all night, for tomorrow we die. You see, Paul was saying, I risk my life every single day to get the good news out. Are you willing to risk something to get the good news out? Are you willing to risk, well, somebody might think I'm strange, or they're going to think I'm different if I bring it up. They probably already think you're different, so go ahead, bring it up. Well, what if my friends don't like me if I talk about what I believe? Then they're not very good friends. Because if they can't respect what you believe, they're not actually a friend. If they're only your friend when you do what they want and act like them, they're not really friends at all, they're users. And I told you this before, user sounds a lot like loser. That's not a friend you need because they're not a friend. You find a friend who respects you for who you are and what you believe, that doesn't mean they're going to agree with you on everything, but they will respect you. That's a true friend. Choose those kind of friends. Friends who want to encourage you to go in the direction you're choosing. Even if they're not ready to go that direction, that's a true friend. In Acts chapter 15, 25 to 27, we read it again that in that time frame of the New Testament, they risked their lives to give the gospel. So after deliberation, it said, we're sending you our beloved brothers, Paul and Barnabas, who have risked their lives for the glory of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. They are accompanied by Judas and Silas, who we have unanimously chosen to send as our representatives to you. They will validate all that we're wanting to share with you. You see... They risked their lives to give the good news to others, which in turn allowed the good news to be given to us. You and I are here because people risked their lives. What risk have you taken lately to spread the good news? Now I'm bringing this as risk in life to be successful, but also spreading the good news. What risk have you taken lately? I'm pretty sure you've not risked your life. Thankfully, we don't have to. But nothing great comes without risk. Matthew 25 and 14 to 30, I'm going to read a parable of Jesus, and I'm going to read a bit, so stick with me on this. But Jesus is telling them a story that will help them understand what God's spiritual heavenly kingdom is like okay and he used a story that they would get he talks about a master or somebody who owned a bunch of land and he had servants and so he's likening this story to God's kingdom and he says again the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip he called together his servants and he entrusted them his money while he was gone he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in portion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver to invest, or the, excuse me, 
the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they had used his money. The servant whom he had trusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver and a vest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise, and he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward also. And he said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with ten bags of silver. Listen to this carefully. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. I think I said this once before in the service, doing nothing is a bad decision. Then he finishes off with something that sounds pretty harsh. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now when I read this, I think Jesus was trying to make a pretty strong point. And his point comes through loud and clear. You see, because Jesus truly is the master and we are his servants and he's given each of us gifts and talents. And he wants us to use them to the best of our ability. And each of these people who did use them had to take a risk, didn't they? The first one, it says he invested. Anybody who's ever invested, you're taking a risk all the time when you invest. But calculated risk brings reward. It said the other one worked. Maybe he made a business and used it and increased. Well, if you've ever done business, there's some risk involved. You put out before it comes in. But the third one was called wicked and lazy. Now, he said he was fearful and that's why he hid it. I want to say something to you this morning. He did not know his master. I believe that's why he was called wicked He had no clue who his master was and what his master was like. He said his master was harsh and that his master took what wasn't his. Both of those are wrong. Jesus was likening this to the kingdom of God. God is not a master who takes what's not his. He created it all 
And then he blessed them with it to use. Of course, it's already his. And he is not harsh. He's good and he's merciful. He loves people. If you have a wrong view of your God, you will be afraid to take risks. If you think God is going to smack you aside the head, if you make a mistake when you're trying something for him, you won't take risks. And secondly, the master spoke to this servant because he saw something else and he said, you're also lazy. This is a tough one, but I have found out over the years, taking risk, lazy people don't take risk because it's hard work. Anybody who's ever taken the risk to build a business, it's hard work. I've thought of this over this past week. How do you help somebody who's lazy? How do you help somebody who's lazy but using other excuses for why they don't want to do anything? Because that must have been the case of this servant or Jesus wouldn't have used that. How can you help somebody to say, I'm not going to be lazy, I'm going to work hard at whatever God's put in me and I'm going to increase it, I'm going to cause it to do something great. I don't know if you've ever met someone who's lazy. Maybe you were lazy at one point in your life, I don't know. But I believe God can help any of us step out of a lazy attitude to, okay, I'm going to step, I'm going to do this. And he helps us by correcting us. He loves us too much to leave us where we're at. I don't know if anybody ever remembers when you were a kid. Maybe at some time when you were a kid you felt lazy and you didn't want to do what your parents wanted you to do. Listen. God will correct if you're truly wanting to move ahead. If you've had time where you felt lazy, ask God to come. Ask Him to help and give you the strength and the desire to move forward because God wants you blessed. You see, He wants us to take risks to reach those who are lost. Because when we reach those who are lost, we're fulfilling His kingdom. And He tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. If you'll do what I'm asking you to do, I will look after you. He gave us a commission to step out, to move forward and to reach people. And when the disciples moved out and began to reach people, they took risks, but the rewards were unbelievable. They got to see people healed, set free, transformed. Think about this for a minute Think of the life of Peter. Peter was the guy who was in the boat during the storm and Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter, the disciples were afraid that they would die in this storm in the boat. But Jesus has come walking on the water and Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come. And Jesus calls him to come and what does he do? He steps out and he begins to walk on water. Now he saw the waves and became afraid and began to sink. And what did Jesus do? 
He reached out and grabbed him. Pulled him up. You see, Peter would later be asked to lead the church. Jesus told him, you feed my sheep, you feed my sheep, you feed my sheep. Peter is the one who is in charge of the early church. And Peter is the one who will walk down the street. So many miracles and healings happen. He's walking down the street and people are laying their sick on the side of the road opposite of the sun because if his shadow touches them, they're immediately healed. Have you ever thought, why did he walk on the water? What was the point of that? You know, if you're somebody who's practical, you're like, well, that was weird. Why even walk on? What's the point? He didn't have to go anywhere. I believe the whole point of it, Jesus wanted to teach him something about taking risk. He taught him two things in that moment. When I ask you to take a risk, even though it seems totally stupid and impossible, do it. The second thing he taught him, when you take a risk and it fails, I am right there. Listen, taking a risk and failing is totally okay. Doing nothing is not okay. Because failing, when you have Jesus on your side to pull you, you win. It's no failure at all. We're going to wrap up in just a minute as the kids come in. They're going to sit with you and then we're going to do baptism. You see, God asks each of us, are we willing to step out to take a risk for him? I want to tell you this, to be successful, you will have to. The only way to take no risk at all would be to live in your mom's basement forever and let her pay all the bills for your dad's. Um, that's not actually living. If you truly want to live, be willing to take a risk.